A Pastoral Response to Transgenderism on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems people face. One significant difficulty that we face in our contemporary culture is a problem that actually would have boggled the minds of most people throughout church history, and it's the problem of transgenderism. We live in a day and in an age where individuals can decide that their gender is something other than what is indicated in their biological sex and where they can then receive actual surgery to alter their own physical appearance. This creates a massive number of ethical and pastoral questions that the church needs to be faithful to respond to. To help us to respond to some of these questions is Dr. Jim Hamilton, who is the professor of biblical theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He is the author of God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment, And he is also a pastor of Kenwood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I wanted Dr. Hamilton to join us on this edition of the podcast because he's a faithful biblical scholar and also because he is a local church pastor. Dr. Hamilton, I want to begin by asking what we say to the close relatives of these people who have decided to have gender reassignment surgery or who have decided to go through a gender transition. And everyone in our culture is emphasizing acceptance. We have to accept these decisions that people make. But that leaves family members in the wake of confusion wondering what to do. Wives, kids, parents who have always known this person to be their son or their daughter or their husband or their wife or their parent. And now they're being asked to accept a massive change in this person's life. What do we say to family members who are being requested to do that? I think one of the most important things that we can communicate to them is that they're not crazy and that the Bible is true. And the Bible's story of the creation of the world is true. So God made man and woman and God made every individual in the world, either a man or a woman. And I would want to reassure people that it's not their responsibility to rejoice in someone's rejection of what God has created them to be. And then perhaps from there, I might want to pursue some analogies that would help them to think about or to feel better about the way that that I'm counseling them to respond, which is to embrace the Bible's teaching and not feel that they have to be pressured by the culture to conform to the world. And so by analogy, I wouldn't feel the need to encourage let's say, a child, to rejoice that his dad was divorcing his mother. And I wouldn't feel the need to encourage a wife to rejoice that her husband was committing adultery on her. And so, by analogy with that, I I don't think we're under any compulsion to, to encourage people to feel gladness when someone is wanting to reconstitute reality. That's good. It's very helpful as we consider how to help loved ones think through these decisions of their loved ones. But what about when it comes to actual communication? I've actually been surprised in the last few months at the number of people who have come to me and said, my cousin, friend, aunt, uncle, dad is going through this gender transition, and they are asking that I no longer 
call them by their masculine name, for example, but they want to be called by their feminine name that they've adopted. And again, just as an example, they're saying, I don't want you to use masculine pronouns to refer to me. I don't want you to say him or his. I'd like you to say hers. How do we help people know how to speak to transgendered persons who are being asked to be called names and pronouns that are different than those who have known them have ever called them? This is a really difficult question, and I think it's one that we're, we're trying to find our way to good answers to. And so I think the first thing that we want to communicate is a desire to love all people, a desire to communicate the love of Christ to people. Within that, so if a person in our church came to me with this kind of question, my inclination would be to say to them, God created your relative as, let's say, a, let's say he's a man and he's transitioning to a woman. God created your relative as a man, and that is built into his biology at every level. And the fact that he can change something superficial about his appearance doesn't reconstitute him as a female, nor does it somehow go back in time to the point of God's imagination of this person and then desire to bring this person into the world and make it so that God sees that person, intends that person as a female. So I think that my gut reaction is to want to call things what God calls them. And so let's say if the Lord has defined what adultery is, and an adulterer comes to me and says, well, I want to have these extramarital liaisons, and I would like for you to talk about them as though they are expressions of my love for all women. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, the Lord has identified that as adultery, and that's what I'm going to call it. And so along those lines, I think I would want to say, God made you a man, and you asking me to call you a woman is asking me to call something other than what it is. And so you're asking me to participate with you in your rebellion. You're asking me to bear false witness about who you are, and I don't think that I can do that. Other people may be at other places. There may be people with stronger consciences than mine that would somehow be able to embrace this person and accept this person in a way that would allow them to communicate in the way that person wants to be communicated about. But as I'm thinking about it now, I just don't think I could do that. I think that is a very valuable and helpful response. It helps us to know that we need to stand on truth, which is the only thing that we can stand on. When we are ministering to people, we also need to help them understand that such a stand on truth is going to come at a very significant relational cost. Mm -hmm. What could we say to people from a pastoral perspective to help them try to preserve as much of a relationship as possible with someone who's behaving in this way? I would want to urge them to try to call this person to repentance and to communicate to them that the person pursuing this alteration in their identity is removing themselves from the realm that is safe and the realm in which we can gladly interact with one another. So in other words, this is not me choosing to go away from you. And this is not me rejecting you. This is you taking yourself away from our relationship and you ending the normalcy that has existed between us. So that's the way that I would want to come at it, even though I know that that's not the way the wider culture is going to see it. And I would try to help this person see that that, however, is reality. If we switch gears a little bit and stop talking about the family members mm -hmm. of people who are going through these transitions and we begin to talk about the people themselves, even as our culture is embracing this as acceptable, normal, 
We are aware of reports that gender reassignment does not make good on its promises. Mm. And Mm. we're aware of reports of people who have gone through these procedures and now regret the permanent changes that they have made to their body. As a local church pastor, as a careful biblical thinker, what would you say to someone who comes to you and says, I've had this procedure done and I regret it. I want to repent. What does repentance look like? So let's say it was a a man who had been reassigned as a female. I think that in his deportment of himself, he needs to begin to conduct himself in a masculine way. In his clothing choices, he needs to dress as a man. Anything that is being put into his body to make him seem more feminine, he needs to stop hormone treatments or pills or whatever. All of that needs to come to an end. I think that anything beyond those kinds of changes, behavior, dress, stopping any ongoing medication, anything beyond that is going to require input from medical professionals. And perhaps maybe it's not necessary. I don't even know what's possible on those fronts. But at least I think at the levels of dress and behavior and then stopping the ongoing treatments, I think those would be necessary for repentance. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. For more information on this issue of transgenderism, I want to invite you to attend our conference on this topic taking place in October in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Hamilton is going to be one of our presenters at that conference, and you can find more information about it at biblicalcounseling.com.